Welcome to the Dare Dream Podcast. I'm Jason Yeager, and on today's episode, I interviewed Chris Barton. Chris is a well-respected entrepreneur, best known for being one of the masterminds behind the music recognition app Shazam, that I'm sure you've probably heard of and maybe you've installed onto your phone. Shazam was created over 18 years ago, and the story of how he created Shazam is really amazing, and I share a link to an article you can read to learn more about that story below. But what you should know is that after having created Shazam, Apple later on caught interest and went on to purchase the technology for a speculated $400 million in 2017. Today, Chris inspires audiences and talks a lot about the concept of creative persistence and how that helped him get through a lot of the obstacles that he faced when building Shazam, which we touched base on the podcast. In fact, just a bit more context, when Chris initially had the idea for Shazam, which was back in 1999, he found out that after speaking to Stanford and MIT professors, that building the artificial intelligent algorithms that were required for what Chris's idea had in mind was impossible. Also, a side note, Chris's audio is not the best in this podcast, as we record in this interview via Zoom. He was using his phone. We apologize for the slightly lower quality than usual, but nevertheless, we hope you'll get value from hearing what he has to say. And with that being said, I hope you enjoy the podcast today, and you can get a better understanding of how Chris Barton dared to dream and built Shazam. This is Dare to Dream. So let's go back to the year 1999. You came up with the decision that you want to start your own business. Tell me a bit about what was going on in your life at that time. And what was your mindset like when you came up with the idea for Shazam and decided and told yourself, I want to pursue this and make it happen? Really, my mindset at the beginning, the inception of Shazam was that um, I was a, a graduate student uh, at Berkeley during my MBA. And uh, I didn't know this going into my MBA, but I definitely realized in the very early part of my MBA that what I really wanted to do was to start a company. Um, and the reason is that I just love the idea of creating things. Um, and so uh, that, that that was really kind of my mindset is like, I really want to um, kind of take my career in the direction of having kind of ultimate, uh, the ultimate creation experience um, and Shazam um, concepts kind of came from that, uh, that kind of impetus. Um, so yeah, I really you know wanted to see if I could create a viable business, and I included basically you know a new product, a novel product, something that was compelling, uh, delightful for people, um, and uh, would could kind of sustain a, a business on its own. And did your mindset shift as you started to get into that more nitty gritty work of starting your business? Yeah, I would say um, it definitely never shifted. In fact, it was the kind of uh, foundation of of what. Uh, what really was my motivation with Shazam was, was that uh, ultimately, you know, and to this day, even as I work on my next startup, you know, I realized that it's really important for me that um, what I spend all these hours working on is um, something that I'm excited about. I wake up every morning and I'm excited to to, uh, to get started and, and, and be productive on whatever it is I'm focused on. Um, and, uh, and it's always remained that kind of the idea of kind of having a concept and um, having a vision uh, that is the future of something that I wanted to build and create and what it would be, what it would look like, what it would feel like, what, it, what the experience would be like for the end users and, and, and the impact it would have on, on, on their lives um, is, is, has always been something that's really, really uh, attractive to me. And, and, and I love the idea of, uh, of, of, of spending my time on that. So that, that's always remained my motivation. So the world nowadays has a lot to share about passion. You'll find a lot of people talking about passion and about how you have to find it and pursue it. Though I don't always think that that advice in itself is necessarily super useful because I find that it's quite general and it's hard to 
take that advice and know exactly how to apply that into your life. But what I do know is that with Shazam, it was definitely something that was extremely meaningful to you and obviously continues to be meaningful to you and that you're extremely passionate about. So my next question and something I'm curious about is, what advice would you give to younger aspiring entrepreneurs who are either in college or in high school, which is really the target audience for this podcast, by the way, about passion and about finding something that entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs can be, are passionate about and being able to find themselves, being able to position themselves in, into entrepreneur work that is actually meaningful to them? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, ultimately alignment with your passion is something that only you can feel, only you can, only you can sense and no one can dictate it to you. And there's not, there's no way of documenting, uh, you know, what, what would, you know, how, you know, how, what criteria something, uh, you know, has to meet in order to fit with your passion. It really is, you know, what you sense in, in your own heart. Um, I mean, I can tell you that in the case of um, starting a company uh, at the time that I, uh, you know, came up with the Shazam idea, brainstorming a few different ideas. And one of them was one that actually probably, in fact, almost definitely could have been a very viable business. Uh, there was a company that was created and that's a very successful company uh, that, that succeeded in that area. And which was uh, one of the ideas I had was to just simply sell contact lenses and other um, vision products um, on, on a website. Um, and uh, so it was, a, it was a viable business idea, but, but I definitely noticed that my, you know, my feeling was that I was not very excited about it. I couldn't, I couldn't fathom the idea of waking up every morning and, and just building a great way to buy contact lenses on the internet. Um, and so, you know, it was a perfect example of how a, a, an inadequate passion is something that just resonated um, with me. And, and so I decided not to pursue it. Um, so I think that, you know, ultimately it's, it's thinking through, you know, for, for each entrepreneur, it's thinking through, you know, how do they want to impact the world? Um, what are the things that excite them? Um, and, um, and then kind of try to narrow in on ideas that, that somehow r- relate to that, that general uh, direction of thinking. Um, and it could be that there's certain industries they're interested in. It could be a, a certain types of people they want to work with. It could be a certain types of technologies, or maybe even they want to avoid technology and, and do uh, something in uh, consumer retail or consumer products. There's, there's, there's so many questions that need to be answered by the individual. Um, and it's really up to them to think it through, you know, what, what they're passionate about. Uh, and then, and then to kind of, um, you know, constantly keep themselves in check. Are they, are they, are the ideas they're thinking about and are the ideas they're thinking of pursuing, um, some things that, that really, uh, they're passionate about. I definitely agree with that. And the way I see it, a lot of entrepreneurs nowadays are going to face that decision where they have to decide what project they're going to devote their time and energy on. And in making that decision, I think it's important that every entrepreneur, and I know it sounds simple, chooses to focus on something that is actually meaningful to them, that they're actually passionate about. And their decision isn't controlled by short-term thinking in particular that tends to get you making decisions that, though in the short run, might make you feel good in the long run, don't really make you feel like you lived up to what you were truly meant to do. Anyways, I want to go briefly back to what we were talking about earlier and jump back into that mindset aspect of starting your business and actually get advice from you on that. So share with me, if you will, what would you recommend an entrepreneur really focus on and thinks about when starting up their business? And what advice would you give to that entrepreneur who's looking to find some kind of co-founder they can work with who can help them bolster their idea? And uh, yeah, talk to us a bit about that, if you will. Of finding a co-founder. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think the very beginning steps, you know, the, the reality is finding a co-founder may or may not be one of the first steps because some people choose to 
start companies as the sole co-founder. Um, but if um, but if finding a co-founder is one is a, is one that the entrepreneur decides is one that they want to do, and I, I did that. I did it start Shazam with three other co-founders. Um, then I do think that that one's a, you know clearly it's critical to find the right co-founders because you can't make a mistake. Um, or you really want to avoid making mistakes in that. Um, and so you know the approach that I took. Uh, is that I really thought about well, what's important to me in co-founders, and it was uh, key qualities uh, such as their you know high integrity, um, you know a, a real passion to 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 create a startup that I've shared with me, um, and uh, an ability to really get along, and 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 most importantly, you know that they had strong talents that were complementary to me. So you know each co-founder kind of had different, was really good at different things. That could contribute to the overall uh, outcome of, of the startup, um, and uh, I, I think you can't be uh, underemphasized um, just how uh, how important it is to to pick those right people um, and to uh, and to get it right. Um, and and I, I think that simply just takes time and dedication and, and thoughtfulness um, as you think it through the the different people. And clearly, some of the most ideal people. Ideal people could be people that you've gotten to know pretty well through um, working with them or studying with them, um, but also you might be out there searching for for someone that has specific uh, talents. Uh, and in that case, you know you have to just try to you know be a good judge of, of whether they could be a great co-founder. Um, some of the other early steps in the startup, I think, are you know thinking through really fleshing out your idea, um, find you know trying to put it to your own early tests to see if you think it could be viable. Um, and thinking through the way it could play out, could, could it become a real business or is it just a feature? Um, and, uh, you know, what, what is the business model going to look like? And um, are you solving some real problems? What are you going to do that's different than what's out there? Um, and, uh, and how, how, you know, how big is the market for uh, what you're doing? Um, if, if it's a small market, that can make building a business challenging. Um, so it's, it's kind of really, you know, applying some of those rigorous ways of thinking um, to, to make sure that you're hopefully uh, honing in on, on something that, can, that has the opportunity to be a, a significant business. Definitely agree with that. I think slowly as entrepreneurs start to, you know, get into that nitty gritty business of startups, they're going to start to face a lot of challenges and obstacles. And I think one thing is for sure is that your journey with Shazam is nothing but an, a massive obstacle that you've had to get on over. I mean, it's clear from my, your re, the research I did about Shazam. It's, it was just you have you started it way before its time and you had all these problems and difficulties you had to get around. I think that really brings the question of how do you build persistence? How do you build persistence to be able to get over those obstacles and you know keep pushing yourself? Because that really is a, one of the most important entrepreneurship qualities. Uh, I'd love to get your advice on that and really just dive into what your perspective is on that about persistence for as a, for an entrepreneur then. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I, uh, I mean, clearly I think there's almost nothing more important than persistence. Um, I mean, you know, obviously there's many things that are important and, and being thoughtful and you, uh, coming up with novel concepts and, and, uh, and, you know, being passionate, they're all important, but, but without the persistence, you'll never be able to have the follow through, um, to kind of get through, those, uh, you know, to get a startup, uh, have momentum and, and have a chance of success. Um, and, um, so persistence, I think, comes um, partly from a natural quality. I think that in, some individuals have, and 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 some people may have less of it. Um, and uh, I'm not sure, you know, I, I I'm not sure if someone can just become persistent. I think there's, I, I think it's more likely that 
the successful entrepreneurs just were instinctively, inherently highly persistent people. Um, and, um, and so, uh, you know, I think if you're, it's a good way of assessing whether you're really kind of cut up the cloth of, a, of an entrepreneur if, uh, if you kind of naturally have that type of persistence. Because uh, I, I really do believe that it's something that's, um, that's kind of, uh, it's sort of built into to some people. Um, and, um, and there's a lot of people that have, have very high levels of persistence, clearly. Um, that's how they got to where they are, including a lot of the, I'm sure a lot of the students uh, that, are, uh, that are listening to this podcast. Um, so uh, what, what I think is really uh, an interesting approach or an interesting uh, angle of looking at persistence is uh, something that I call creative persistence. Um, and um, creative persistence is, um, uh, just to give an example, it's not just simply, uh, let's say that you're trying to accomplish something. Um, you know, for example, like in, in the case of Shazam, uh, you know, we, one of the things we had to accomplish was that we wanted to build a, a vast database of, of fingerprints of, of all music. Um, and so persistence is, you know, that was a very hard thing to achieve. And uh, especially as a startup with limited resources um, and just persistence would be just saying, I'm not going to give up on that. I'm just going to keep on pounding on the door and, and try to figure out how to knock down whatever the hurdles are to accomplish that. But creative persistence is, um, is when you basically really stand back and try to think with a clean slate. Um, and as they say, or out of the box thinking, um, you know, creatively, you know, how can you how can you kind of solve that problem? How can you conquer that that uh, hurdle? Um, and uh, and trying to come up with really creative, unique approaches um, as a way of solving the problem. And that, that's what I call creative persistence. So in the in the example of the music database, you know, uh, we we ended up approaching a company that um, was basically the largest uh, warehouse of CDs. Um, in the UK at the time, which was the market first market we launched in in the UK, and um, and what and we thought, well, gosh, how are we going to get a hold of all these CDs? That we can't we can't buy one copy of every CD because that would just cost so much money. Um, and so we partnered with them uh, to basically work together to to, to kind of create this sort of uh, database of um, you know that housed all the information around. Um, artists and albums and all the metadata that described uh, all the music, song names, and so on. And we created that, co-created it with them, um, and uh, something that they would benefit from as well. We, one of the things that we created was the fingerprint database that allowed us to uh, identify songs. Um, and um, by co-creating it with them that, uh, and convincing them that this co-creation would benefit them as well, um, that's how we solved that problem. Um, and uh, we're able to basically uh, co-locate on their warehouse sites and have, have uh, individuals um, creating this database on site without actually having to really purchase one of every single CD. And that, that came out of this kind of creative thinking um, combined with persistence. So I think that that is where I think is this creative persistence concept, I think, is um, very, very uh core and central to um, the, the type of successful thinking that an entrepreneur needs to, to be successful. And there'd be many examples that a lot of the most successful companies that you, we know of today, uh, companies like Google and PayPal and Facebook and so on, of that creative persistence um, and how it helps solve problems and overcome hurdles in those, especially in the early days, but throughout the existence of the companies. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And I love that concept of creative persistence because any entrepreneur you look at, you're almost always going to find that quality of persistence within them because it's that quality persistence that allows you to attain 
large success. I mean, without persistence, you really can't attain any kind of success, right? Because it's the quality of not giving up. It's the quality of continuing to better yourself and chip away at things no matter how bad things are or what you're experiencing that is what makes you so strong as an entrepreneur. And it's that strong level of persistence that enables you to become successful at the end of the day. Anyways, there's obviously a lot more character traits that I'd love to talk to you about in this podcast. But one of the things I do want to shift the conversation to is talking a bit more about technology and especially about how that's evolving right now. I don't know all too well how tech-savvy entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast are, but nevertheless, I do want to shift the conversation to that because I think there's a lot to be aware of, especially with how technology is evolving right now and, um, you know, especially with AI and with machine learning tied to that. But uh, I want to ask you this question. What important areas do you think that entrepreneurs should really come to understand and really research and read about that uh, you think are going to be extremely important in the future and, you know, from a technological standpoint are going to be things that most entrepreneurs just have to know about, have to read about, and at least to be prepared and to be successful in this in this evolving business world? What would you say those are? You know, honestly, that's a very hard question to answer. Um, and I, I do, I do get asked that sometimes. But the reality is, there's just there's so many things out there that I, I don't think there's one or two or three or even ten things that are the most important things for people to focus on. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, some of the things I'm most excited about that I think are going to be revolutionary include um, machine learning, artificial intelligence. Um, and that's the direction I'm going. But, but honestly, I think for some entrepreneurs, it, 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 as I said, it might even, it, they might be interested in things that aren't even really related to technology. You know, maybe they want to solve a problem that all pet owners have and, and it's something to do with, uh, you know, uh, creating new experiences for pet owners that may not involve technology at all, um, or very little technology. Um, so, um, so I, I think that there's, I don't think there's a, a specific set of things. I think it's more about, um, what I like is to identify, you know, what it resonates with me in terms of what I'm excited about and what are the trends and technologies for, and cause I'm interested in technology, um, and, um, you know, things that are, that are, I'm most excited about. And then I, I just like to really hyper-focus on becoming an expert at solving those problems. And so, um, actually, as a result, I end up knowing <clears throat> very well the area that I'm interested in, um, but uh, not very well at all many of the um, parallel areas. So, like, I don't have actually a very strong uh, awareness and knowledge of m- what many other um, trends are in technology and startups, um, if, they're, if they're even just, like, a few, a few centimeters away from, from what I'm doing because uh, I just tend to stay so laser-focused on um, how to solve my specific problems uh, to create the best experience and, and, and putting all my effort into that. So, like, for example, investors and venture capitalists and angel investors and so on, they tend to have a very good breadth of what, what the trends are and what's exciting and what are the, what are the new up, uh, up-and-coming opportunities um, that, that, uh, that are, are available to entrepreneurs. But I would say I'm weak in that area because of my more entrepreneurial approach of, of being so focused. Awesome. Very interesting. Uh, and I guess I want to wrap things up with a last question here, just to, just cause I'm curious to hear about this. What would you say are three things you would do differently as you, or with, within your startup journey of uh, starting up Shazam, any three things that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, so there's no question that I'm um, thinking through uh, that, uh, Thinking through how to bring how to how to solve the the early economics of a startup, um, and which basically means bringing revenues in earlier, and also thinking how to spend money less earlier. Uh, th- those two things are so core, I think, to the to um, the success of a startup because because those are the ways that the startup 
is able to remain alive financially. Um, and, um, and, you know, Shazam ultimately, you know, you know it was very capital intensive business uh, uh, because of the way, the types of technologies that were available at that time. Um, and, um, but, and we did do some things right around finding early revenues, but I would have, would have done them even earlier. I would have, I would have focused even earlier on um, things that uh, building products that we could immediately start monetizing. Um, for example, we built a B2B business where we monitored radio stations and sold that information uh, and licensed that technology for, um, uh, to, to, for, the, to the, for the purposes of monitoring and creating reports around radio station airplay. Um, and it turned out that that was a business that could bring in some revenue early on and therefore pay the bills. Um, and I think thinking about those types of things, even if they're not necessarily um, your number one uh, objective and goal for the company, um, they, they can be really foundational to, to uh, enabling the company to, to sort of have, have the oxygen that allow it to breathe. In other words, money uh, to, to spend uh, on, on development. Um, you know, the great example I always think of is that Google um, in its early days powered Yahoo search um, and as a result got paid by Yahoo um, to power their search and, and that's what paid the bills for, for those early years. And I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that the founders of Google, their ultimate dream was not to power Yahoo search, but they did make that a priority. Um, and it became a way to that early revenue became a way to enable the company to to uh, continue thriving and growing and, and investing in those early days. So that, that was probably my biggest learning um, by far. And um, one that I would suggest every entrepreneur think carefully about uh, to, to make sure they can survive through those early years because everything takes longer than you think uh, to realize. And so you need that capital influx of revenue to, to help you do that. Um, that. That's the biggest one. Um, I think the other ones are, are uh, you know, just you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm greatly appreciative of, of the quality, amazing people um, that contributed to Shazam, my co-founders and the early employees. Um, and we, I think we really um, got some, we were, were lucky enough to have a great set of initial team and great people involved and um, and I really uh, when I look back I think if we hadn't done that we would have would have certainly failed and, and so that another learning is just recognizing just how important that was and I'm feeling so grateful that we really got that right in the early days um, so that's uh, probably the second biggest learning of, of uh, how you know that would pass along to entrepreneurs is making sure that you know that early team every single first uh, hire uh, co-founder um, and an investor that you just Think very carefully, um, you know who they're going to be, uh, and making sure you pick the right people. Great, thank you for sharing that, Chris. Thank you, really appreciate your time. I am very happy to have you on the podcast, and um, I look forward to uh, seeing everything you're going to be doing next from the, your entrepreneur journey as it continues. Well, thank you, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Dare to Dream podcast. The Dare to Dream podcast is part of Dare to Dream Media that is brought to you by Shavanj Mehta and me, Jason Yeager. With Dare to Dream Media, we aim to provide quality content to young, ambitious entrepreneurs, innovators, and individuals that have a vision for something they want to create in the world and want to know what it takes to achieve it. We share content in the form of podcasts, short videos, and blogs that you can stay up to date with all on our Instagram account page at dare to dream underscore media. Thank you.